Welcome to the No Spin Dash Zone. Today we're going to be talking about a game that's not from Sonic the Hedgehog's lineage, but it's actually pretty closely tied to Sonic. We're finally going to be talking about Knights in the Dreams. Yeah, Knights in the Dreams. It's a Sonic team game, which now that I think about it, it's like I think it's like maybe the first time you ever see like Sonic Team as a logo, I think. Yeah, because it wasn't a thing before the 3D era, really. Yeah. yeah, and this was this came out before Sonic R and Jam, from what I understand. Yeah, well, it was a launch title for the Saturn, right? Yeah. So. so. And it's definitely a launch title. <laughs> <laughs> we all played the Steam version, right? Yes. Yes. My my understanding is the only difference of the Steam version is like visual updates. It it seems to be the same game otherwise. So I think we're I think we're fine on that. I don't think well, we've disrespected the history of Knights. It it has like also a gallery that was not present in the original as well as it's got Christmas Knights as an unlockable thing which in the original release that was just a separate demo basically. Okay. But it's yes. it's mostly just additive. It's not like changes really. Yeah. The the core game is uh pretty much identical. Uh, the the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, I think, elevates the game a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's still kind of hard to see what's going on. It's really hard to nine. tell what's happening most of the time, which is unfortunate. Uh, so, so the basic gameplay of the game is that you can sort of like... So, so you're sort of running along, uh, uh, or you're flying along a track, and you can sort of move forward along the track or backwards... You can also travel up and down. It's sort of the side view, uh, and you can move freely in in that two D space along that track. And the track sort of weaves around a three D environment. So you're moving in three D space, but in two D. Um, and yeah. so sometimes it's sort of like like you curve around like a tower or a, like uh, a tree in the first level. Yeah, and and sometimes you'll like like hit a vine and bounce backwards into a vine that's in the background and then you'll be in like a different sort of plane you know and it sort of plays with 3d space a lot um and your objective is to collect uh are they called dream orbs the idea spheres i think is what they're called but yes that's i believe that's correct so it's it's the sonic 3 special stage where you got to collect blue spheres i uh, think that is not quite well they're not oh, all no, blue they're different colors they're, no, they aren't they? Aren't they all blue? Okay, the the major the major ones that you want to get from the machine are different colors, but the little ones oh, right, are right. all blue until you collect enough of them and put them into the thing. At which yeah, point they all turn yellow. Yeah. Uh, so you want to get you want to get twenty orbs and in like put them into a machine, and once you get to the like the start or end, I guess, of the lap on the track, uh, a- after that point. You'll switch to a second lap, which has a totally different track. And so you'll be exploring the same 3D space, but in a different way than the previous lap around. Calling them Uh, laps is a little weird because you can do multiple laps on each track, though. That's true, yeah. Uh, I think think it calls them laps, though, in the, like, scoreboard. No, that's what it means when, like, that's saying that for each track, your best lap is this time. So you can do five laps during one level, and your best lap out of that will be recorded for the scoreboard. Okay, interesting. So it's more like a Grand Prix where you do four tracks in a row, but in this case, the starting point is always the same. Okay. Which is weird. 
It's it's interesting to say the least. Yeah. Did you actually mention that that the starting point is always the same? Yeah. So so you start in sort of this like, how would you how would you describe this? The, it's, I, the it's either a pagoda or a gazebo, but I cannot remember which one. It I would is. call it a gazebo. I think it's a gazebo. So you you start in a, a gazebo, essentially. Uh, and then when you get to the end of the lap, you know, you, you loop back around and you're at the gazebo again, right? Yeah. Uh, so so whenever you change which track you're on because you've gotten all the way through the previous track, uh, that gazebo is still the starting point for that track. Uh, and oh, thus also, it's, it's called an idea palace. Oh, of course. The idea palace. The I- or idea palace. I don't know how you're now supposed the to The idea it. gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little small to be a palace in my opinion, but that's... That's neither here nor well, there. Well, maybe maybe that's because it's a dream and it's actually a massive structure, but you're just big in your dream, you know. It's true. In in your dreams, uh, like spatial consistency is not a thing. Yeah, in not my really experience. At all. So, so it's possible it's big, but only on the inside. Yeah, the thing that I find m- most interesting about this system is that you can go backwards through a track. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter as long as you grab 20 of the blue guys and shove them into the giant, like, tentacle octopus jellyfish thing. Yeah. Idea capture. Yeah. But, like, it's 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 weird because you can kind of just run, like, a completely separate, like... You don't have to do a lap, I guess is what I'm getting at, to collect all 20 things. Yeah. So it's more like, quickly explore the 3D space, find out the best route to pick up 20 blue guys... Slap all into the machine, and then it turns into like just like a points-based racing game where you try to go around and like as laps as quickly as possible because every time you do a lap, it respawns everything. Like it's it, it's really really weird. It does not like it, it doesn't play like a racing game. It does feel like there are different phases of playing the game. Whether your first phase through is sort of exploring the space and trying to understand like where are the things you need to collect. Yeah. And then once you beat the stage and get a D on it, because that's what I did uh, for every <laughs> single stage in the game, uh, then you go through a second time and then you go, okay, well, now I'm familiar with the stages. I know generally the layouts of these courses. Uh, I don't need to explore anymore. Now now I'm routing, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's really confusing. I can't think of, like, another game that feels like this in any capacity. <laughs> And, and I think the reason that it feels like you have to explore is because... So the, the side view is a little disorienting because you can't see what's up ahead. But also, the, the track that you're on... Like, you can fly so high or so low that I don't know what's above me or below me either. And there could be stuff there. And a lot of the times there is stuff that that's actually the path with the more points on it. Yeah. Well, also, there are sometimes you can you just, like, turn... Like, it's not always, like, a going in a circle straight away. Yeah. It's, like, sometimes you'll make it almost in a complete 180 because you'll see rings in that dimension, and you're not sure if that's for, like, the next stage, which yeah. stages are called mares, I believe. So it's very confusing whether or not you're going into one of those, especially if there's, like, a one of the the hoops that are two rings that are yellow-colored. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've got, like, two arches, and they're always at a 90-degree angle. Right. Yeah, and the other weird thing is that this game, like, feels almost like what you might describe as 2.5D, but every single object is always, like, present in the 3D space, so you can actually interact with things that are on different tracks if you get close enough. 
So yeah. you can hit rings that you look like you shouldn't really be able to hit. And I don't think we've <laughs> talked about it yet. But and if you draw a circle with knights, basically, like you do, like a loop-de-loop, -loop, um, you'll, like a little circle will appear wherever you did your loop-de-loop, -loop, and it will kind of like grab all the items that are in the range of that circle, and it will kill enemies that are in the range of that circle. So it's very useful. Or Nitopians. Does it kill Nitopians too? Yeah, you can kill Nitopians. Oh, with rip. It. Okay, well, we'll we'll get more into Nitopians later, but um, <laughs> so yeah, it can interact with everything around you. And it looks like it's 2D almost, because obviously you're only moving around in this, like, this closed space. But it can actually interact with items that are a little bit in the background, too. So you can get, like, Dream Orb, whatever, the blue guys, that yeah. are not in the track you're on if you position your circles carefully. I should mention, it can also grab stuff in the foreground. Uh, and yeah. there are some uh, Dream Orbs that are uh, positioned like in in a cluster that is 3d that requires you do loops in order to get them which yeah. are clearly intended to be obtained this way yeah like they aren't on other tracks they're just like you can't grab them just by running into them yeah they're also called color chips apparently color chips yeah and there's Excuse also star me? chips which are shaped like stars yeah, th yeah that makes sense so the other thing you can do is that you can boost which i believe star chips give you boost but uh, I've never run out of boost in my life, so you also I never get, had to pay attention to it. <laughs> you also get boost from the hoops. Okay. So that's why, you know, if you're hitting hoops and getting star trips, like, you will not run out of boost. I do like the the movement system, like, sort of feels fun to engage with, uh, and the boost is nice because you can't turn nearly as cleanly when you're boosting. So it feels like, do you want speed or do you want control? Feels like a very natural sort of decision to make throughout the game. I agree for the most part, but to be honest, when I was boosting, I felt like I had a lot more control, just because, like, I didn't hit up and then automatically adjust my angle so severely. It was like, if I was boosting, I could, like, fine-tune where Knights was actually going, and as long as I didn't okay. have to interact with hoops, that was perfect for me. So I found most of my time when I wasn't dealing with hoops, I was boosting, just so that my turning wasn't, like, as, uh, what do you call it, sensitive. Interesting, because I got I got really used to the sensitive turning, and it, it made it feel better because once I got used to it, then I could like fine tune it without really like stressing out about it, and it felt like I had a lot of control in a positive way. I never felt like I had full control over nights. I always felt like they were really slippery and evading where I wanted them to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So let's uh, let's talk about the way that score works which which i think is probably the main like the real the real meat of the game's mechanics yeah so the scoring in this game is based exclusively on hitting pickups and hitting these uh going through these rings that you see in the world around you so it's all about interacting with the various objects eat on each track and you get more points based on what is it, is it link the term they use uh, yes. Okay, so whenever you do, like, a task in succession, you get more and more points as long as you don't drop your link. And it's actually pretty stringent on how much time that you have before you have to do the next oh, yeah. task. So unless you're boosting, you're only ever going to get about five links at a time. So boosting becomes really important once you start messing with the score system. And you get points for picking up orbs and stars, or what do you, what'd you call them, color chips and star chips? 
Yeah. Um, and this is where the little circle maneuver is actually really helpful because when you draw a circle around something, you don't pick it up immediately. So you can draw a circle around some orbs, pick up one of them, and that'll start your chain, and then start heading off to whatever your next goal is. And as you're doing that, the items will fly back in behind you and sort of like spread themselves out a little bit. So you get like, over the course of three seconds, you pick up three items. That way, by the time you get to a set of hoops, you haven't dropped your links yet, and you can go through all the hoops and then repeat this process kind of. So I find it really interesting the way they have, like, the way that you have to interact with the various items and the way that making the circles actually feels really important to the gameplay. But at the same time, the game doesn't teach you any of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was very confused when I was playing this game for the first time, so I looked up, like, the original Sega Saturn user manual just to, like, get context for everything, and it did help a little bit. Like, I realized I'm supposed to collect the orbs to destroy, or the chips to destroy the idea capture. Yeah. But, like, for some reason, I thought I just had to attack it every now and then. Like, I had to do it, like, in three laps, but then I noticed, wait, it's only doing it two laps or one lap. And the bosses... It's about the orbs. <laughs> it's about the chips. <laughs> it, it also took me a while to realize that it was always the same amount of orbs you needed every time. Yeah, because yeah. some of the tracks have, like... 30 orbs on them like without even trying you'll get 30 orbs and then you get yeah the... but some are like really hidden like when i was watching a speed run of the game i noticed that on a few stages especially the first like the in the first mares of the game they wouldn't even go to the palace they would just collect them as the, either elliot or claris the the kids as it were yeah to like get the orbs on ground because it's much faster than doing it because some of those first some of those first mares just don't give you enough orbs and you have to loop around several times to get anything. Yeah. yeah. But with the kids you can go in a free 3D environment to grab as many as you can in the ground and they they move fairly capably, I guess. Yeah, they move like slowly, but they don't it's not as clunky as I would expect like a team's first time with 3D being, you know. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the kids have a pretty high jump arc in general, and they also have like a the like triple jump from Mario 64, for lack of a better like touch point. <laughs> like when you jump and land and jump again, you'll jump a little bit higher if you do it quickly, and then if you do it a third time, you'll do a front flip. And doing that lets you maneuver around the environment pretty easily. And then also, if you just like push the uh, the I, I, for me, I was using the keyboard. So if you just push forward on the keyboard, um your kid will like climb up mountains and stuff if they Mm -hmm. are too steep to walk up so you can really freely move around in the environment so they are so the kid does have tank controls right no i don't think so. not tank i didn't notice it at least it seems like they only move forward or backwards but you can rotate the camera freely no is that not true i'm gonna boot up the game right now but i do not think that is true because I, I feel like that was that was primarily how I interfaced with, with the kids. I actually never moved the camera at all as the kids. So I know for sure that you could at the very least move left and right without moving the camera. I will say you don't you don't have to... I think uh, when you start playing as them, the camera is just sort of automatically like beeline to the place you're supposed to go. Well, no, but I mean, even when I was just messing around like in the environment, I, I was not using the camera because the camera is mapped on the keyboard to like you and i or something and that is not where i want to ever put my fingers so yeah on on the controller it's both l and r and it's the right stick yeah that makes very convenient for me way more sense uh you can only move it left and right it's like sonic 
Adventure 1 and 2, where you can't really adjust the camera freely. You can only rotate it yeah. on one axis. You can't, like, look down at your feet or look up at the sky. Yeah, which sometimes is annoying. And actually, I think uh, the basic Knights gameplay has that, like, issue a lot of the time, especially during bosses, where sometimes the camera is just not pointed in places that you want it to. Uh, and the only thing you can really do about that is, like move in a place that you'd prefer not to move and then move back to like readjust the camera yeah you just have to figure out where you want to go and then actually go there a different way basically yeah also yeah the kids are not tank controls at all it is full eight directional movement well i don't know what i was doing then expecting a tank i mean i, I guess so like i would not blame you for thinking that it would be tank controls just considering like how bad the game looks <laughs> <laughs> Not to roast anybody. <laughs> oh, also, it seems like the triple jump you can just keep doing. You don't have to, like, do three jumps and then do three more jumps. It's <laughs> the fourth, fifth, sixth jump. They're all front flips. Incredible. <laughs> Which is kind of, like, fun to do because you actually get, like, pretty good movement out of it. So, something something that I want to say about the kids, because for context, the, the way you start the stage is you're playing as the kid... And then you get to move around for maybe a second and a half, which is a very small amount of time, before you get interrupted by monsters stealing, like, brain orbs from you. And then they yeah. put the brain orbs in the idea capture devices. Okay, so the brain orbs that you're referring to, which I don't know how you would describe them as brain orbs, but they are idea spheres. That's what the idea yes. spheres are. I feel like idea spheres and brain orbs are, like, a little bit synonymous because where do ideas come and, from? And I, I, I don't know. The ad by adding brain, yeah, it brain, sounds a little bit... Brain is anatomy. Brain is anatomy, yeah. and idea is, like, a <laughs> Mobius concept. I mean, I do... So the game does basically entirely take place in, in the dream sphere. Like, you're, you're asleep and you're having dreams that this is happening functionally. Well, yeah, and if you lose it's called night over so you're just kind of waking up it's like it's like bart's nightmare but it's uh, but, it's ellie well, kind of better but with a non but also a very different game uh so so i do understand the brain is making it sort of like physiological when the game is extremely disconnected from from that yeah there's absolutely no science in this game whatsoever so so uh, basically, monsters steal your identity. Uh, your identity. No, your <laughs> ideas. Steal your identity. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. They they steal your ideas and they put them in in capsules, and that's your objective is to free them, right? Um, yeah. But it's it's interesting because the game starts you out by being like, yeah, you're a person in the environment. You can just kind of walk around, and like, just in time for you to realize that you can walk around, suddenly you're stun locked by an attack. Yeah, and it, it's it like really feels bad. It's like it's, it, it's the most off-putting thing I think I've felt in the game in a long time. Yeah, and then and then an arrow is pointing towards the 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 dream palace uh, gazebo. Um, yeah, it's like a, an arrow that's like floating in front of your character, no matter where you are. So like, if you move around, the arrow will like adjust accordingly. Yeah, and if you if you enter the gazebo, then you start playing as knights, and then the actual main gameplay starts. But if you walk around as a kid, you can collect orbs that are on the ground uh, and then sort of get a head start on the first track, I guess. Yeah, and like Charlie said, you can just collect 20 orbs if you want to. And then as soon as you play as knights, you can go straight for the uh, the capture and just clear it without ever picking anything up as knights. Yeah. Um, but something something that's interesting is there's a there's an egg timer that is chasing you as a kid. 
I always forget about the egg timer. It's it's an it's just a whole it's just a large egg timer with like like a beam of light emanating from the bottom of it. To clarify I, real quick, it is a timer that is shaped like an egg. It is not the kitchen tool that is. I a, mean, it's <laughs> more of an I would more describe it as an alarm clock between two eggshells. Well, it's yeah. a it's a it's a uh, it's an egg timer. Um, it, it is an egg timer, but that means two things at least. And I'm pretty sure. I, I never got caught by it, but I would imagine either if it touches you, you lose all your orbs, or it's just an instant night over. Uh, you, you, it's a night yeah, over. Yeah, you instant lose. That it's, sounds about right. I mean, it makes sense because, like, an alarm clock wakes you up. So I that guess. makes sense. But, like, game design-wise, it feels a little harsh to me. Yeah. Well, so if you – when you're playing as knights, you have uh, 120 seconds, I think, per, per uh, track. Is that right? I don't I'm, know if it's always 120, but that sounds right. So yeah. you have a certain amount of time, and if you run out of time, uh, you don't instantly lose. Uh, instead, uh, Knights just leaves and you become the kid. Yeah, and so this, kid, is, this is the majority of the time that you'll be experiencing the kid gameplay, because usually when you start as the kid, you just walk straight into the, the casino. Yeah, uh, and, and this is what I find really interesting, is the kid uh, does not have any of the maneuverability that Knights has. Uh which is obvious, but uh, they do maintain the velocity that Knights had when Knights disappears. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, so if you're boosting and run at a time, you just go flying across the map as you fall into the ground. You're just like a kid cannonball that got launched out of the sky. <laughs> and I actually kind of love that a lot. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, and and uh, when you hit the ground, you lose all your orbs, but they like fall out of you, and you can recollect them. And it's kind of like the rings in Sonic, where they'll disappear after a while, but they're just kind of bouncing around in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, of course, that but I think all of I think you. I think all of them fall out of you. It's not like a limited. It doesn't like cap out like it does with rings. Yeah, because yeah. one time I straight up picked like forty of them up off the ground after I transferred. Oh yeah. And it takes a long time for them to despawn. Yeah, it's really forgiving. It's it's and I think I think this is maybe Knights' strong suit is uh, I think it's I think it's weak suit is it's really hard to tell a what you're supposed to be doing and b what you're doing right now, uh, <laughs> which is which is a bad combination of things. Uh, but what I do like is that the way you lose the game is by like failing to meet the timer, but then also sort of dilly dallying as the kid for a while until the egg timer gets you. So it's it's hard to do well, but it's also really hard to just lose completely, in my experience. I would agree, although I think that brings us to the next like important aspect of this game. Yeah. So the score system relates to getting a grade, and you can get a grade anywhere from F to A. So it's F, E, D, C, B, and A. And when you get your score, there's like this little... I don't want to call it like a dreidel, but that like that's kind of what it looks like to me. But it's just it's like this little a spinner. It's like a well, not even a spinner. It would it looks like like a die, but instead of having all of its faces be the same, it's got like two like pyramids on the end, and then it it's it's it itself is a prism. It's the Price is Right wheel, but with grades. <laughs> it's the best way for me to describe it. It's like a hexagonal prism with pyramids on the end, but. It, like, rotates to show letters, and then it stops on whatever letter grade you got. And if you get 
an F, an E, or a D, you'll see that it has like an X behind your letter, like a white X, and then your letter is whatever color. I think they're like cold colors to warm colors, warm being better. Mm -hmm. And then C, B, and A have a circle behind them. And initially, this doesn't make any sense, much like the rest of the game. You just It, it just looks kind of like they have random things behind them, and the visual design is a little in intense. Yeah. But you'll quickly find out that after beating three levels with one of the children, that like you don't get access to the fourth level unless you have um, grades that have circles behind them for all, like, all three of that kid's levels. So you need a C or better. I should also say, when you say quickly find out, what you mean is when you look it up on the internet why you haven't unlocked the fourth level, uh, because <laughs> the game doesn't really doesn't really tell you that you didn't do the things you needed to do. It does it just... though, because it shows you like a circle for the good grade and an X for the bad one. Yeah, but like, it's not it's not the clearest indicator. I felt that it was clear enough. I did not have to look it up. I determined that like, oh, I got like an X on this level, so let me try that one again. Well, and I and to be fair, I didn't look it up. I just asked you, <laughs> which was like the uh, 1996 version of looking. It yeah, up. I, it was it was historically accurate. This, this game came out in '96, by the way. Yeah, which is the year I was born. So that's weird. Yeah, that this game is older than me. Uh, this it's also the year I was born because we're the same age. What what month did it come out? January. January. Okay, so it's I mean it's definitely. I don't Definitely know. Definitely younger than me, then, yeah. Let me look it up. Wait, well, no, if it came out in January, it'd be older than you. Is, is what I meant to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it just says 1996. Come on. You can, you can give me more information than that. July 1996. Oh, it wasn't January. Okay. It was one of the J months. <laughs> but we're both late in the year, so. Yeah. Anyway, enough about our birthdays. Um, <laughs> I, I felt that it was clear enough. Like... Even if you don't know that you need, like, three Cs or better, you're going to see, like, oh, I didn't unlock the last level, and then you're going to turn around and play more of the game if you liked it enough. Yeah. So, like, you're going to see, oh, I've got a bad grade on this level, let me fix that. That's and true, And then, yeah. you know, that'll lead to you naturally unlocking it. And then you just do the same thing for the other character that you hadn't finished yet. But basically, what I'm getting at is the game's scoring system is not just there for the sake of having a scoring system the game actually necessitates you playing well to get to the last level so it emphasizes scoring well but it doesn't explain anything about how scoring works to you yeah so essentially this left um isaiah and i don't know charlie if you experienced this but this left isaiah thinking and myself for a little bit thinking that like you wanted to beat levels as fast as possible to get a good score because we're just used to sonic yeah, and mm -hmm. especially because mm -hmm. there's a timer, like, in the, the top center of the screen the whole time. Yeah, and the timer counts down, which was my first clue that maybe it actually didn't matter how fast I did things. Because <laughs> in most Sonic games, the timer counts up, and, like, you want that time to be small, um, and you get, like, a bonus based on that. But then at the results screen, there are, like, four different numbers with, like, just words playing next to them that, like, count up really quickly to find out your score. And you're going to already be confused by this game because there's so much going on visually. So you're not going to be able to tell yeah. right away like what each aspect of the scoring system like matters for. But there is nothing that says time. There's no thing on the screen that tries to like tell you that time matters. 
Um, but you will see when you get all of your colored chips and you dump them in the capture and you release your idea sphere, it says like <laughs> bonus time and all of the blue spheres turn yellow and you just get like a chance to run around. And whenever you collect something, there's like a little graphic of like a point total behind like a rainbow flashing like spark that comes out that says like, oh, 10 points or 20 points. Those all now say times two during bonus time. So this is the part of the game where you actually want to be emphasizing doing all of like the loop-de-loops to collect stars and going through the hoops to get points and, you know, doing all of these other various little interactions that you can have with objects to boost your point total. And then once you've got all of those points racked up, you go back to the gazebo and you lock in your score. But like, so, none of the game teaches you any of this. I, I just had an epiphany. Uh-huh. Which is, Uh-oh. this game is what my parents think video games are. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh... like, like, you know the, the stereotype of, like, like, an older generation not really understanding the medium of video games? Like, the kind of things that they would come up with for what a video game is? That's just this game. Complete with the fact that nothing makes any sense. Yeah, I was gonna say, I thought you just meant that, like, this is what old people see when, like, you're playing Mario. You're just like, oh, he's doing all of these tasks, and they don't matter, and everything on the screen is just a meaningless word. You gotta, by you gotta put numbers. the color chips into the idea spheres to unlock the, the dream capture at the gazebo. <laughs> and, but if you do it in a certain way, you get a two-time score. You get bonus points. Yeah, and then you get an A. Why can't you do that in your test, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically my experience, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I know. Oh lord, I know. I tried to explain everything, but like, I'm I'm trying to think. There's a lot. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, there's a lot, and simultaneously nothing. I wanna I wanna emphasize that like, the game is not like it's not really that complex, but it's also impossible to decipher. Like, it feels so much more complex just because the information is laid out in a way that is not easy to understand. The, like, the game is so dense with graphics that show up whenever you do <laughs> anything or move anywhere that it's impossible to tell what is good and what is bad. Like, even yeah. the enemies, like, mostly look like cute, harmless things and will not often damage you. I Sometimes I run into enemies and then, like... I didn't even know that I couldn't even tell that they were there. Yeah. Like I hit them before I realize that they were there and then I spin around them and then I kill them automatically before I can even like register the fact that I collided with them in the first place. <laughs> so I'm I, always two steps behind knights. <laughs> I would like to ask you too. A, do you feel like you understand what you're supposed to do in knights? <laughs> Well, I, d- I definitely didn't the first time playing through the game, by which I mean the first time beating all six of the stages that I had access to. Yeah. Uh, I beat them without really being sure why. Yeah, like what the fail state slash the win state was. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I only, I only this afternoon unlocked uh, the final stage for one of the characters. Uh, and then I played that. Oh, no, I unlocked it last night, but I beat it today. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I know how to play the game now. I'm still not positive, though. Okay, Charlie, do you feel like you know how to play Knights at this point? Uh, not really, but, like, I don't really care. <laughs> that I kind of just like playing it. So, I it's funny because I have, like, the opposite feeling of you. Like, I feel like I understand how to play it really well. 
and I don't care, and I hate playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably invested in this game for like multiple other reasons that aren't even the gameplay, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. So we should probably talk about the bosses a little bit. So at the end of each stage in the game, there is a boss, like after you complete the four mares in a stage. And the bosses, for the most part, are fairly interesting design-wise, but like other than that, they're not really much to sneeze about. Yeah. Like the, the both the girl, both Elliot and Claris uh, fight different bosses. Since they all have three stages, there's six bosses plus the final boss, which you can take on individually. Yeah, because the fourth stage is actually the same for both Claris and Elliot. Yeah. So the first boss is Gilwing, which is kind of this, like, tadpole-shaped dragon that you just kind of attack the stomach as he just goes around a circle. He's, he's very easy. Do you think of it as the stomach or the chin? I thought yes. of it as the chin. But, like, now that Charlie says stomach, I see it. Because it's, like, fleshy and, like, smooth. Yeah. I mean, it's not much. Else. Apparently, you can attack the tail in like one go and beat the boss because that's what the speedrunner did. But I'm not gonna like try to think about that. I tried attacking the tail and it did not work very well for me. So, like, they must have like had a precise aim. But the next boss is Gulpo, which is like this kind of weird clawed fish. <laughs> Gulpo. It's honestly the least interesting design boss in the game. I think. I didn't know his name was Gulpo. <laughs> but you just you just kind of use fish to launch yourself into him because he's mostly in the middle of the stage because you always go in like a ring shape in these types. Yeah, it's like a cylinder that you exist in. And then in this yeah. case, the boss is like a fish in the middle of the cylinder that you launch yourself at using other fish. Yeah. And that's another thing is that the bosses are like, the, their stages, they're not similar to the like stage you were just in. Yeah. It's very weird. They're kind of totally totally different unrelated environment it's it's all like already kind of some abstract art and like the game was already abstract in that way yeah it's like all very surreal but the final boss for claris would be jackal oh yes jackass the who laughs at you and throws cards that are difficult to dodge but once you ram into him he loses a glider and you can attack him freely until he gets his glider back which you don't want to have him get back to his glider. Yeah. You like, can't take damage when he's got a glider. Well, it's like you have to hit him once and then he loses the glider. And then every hit after that is like a hit towards the necessary three that you need to kill him. Yeah. So if you knock the glider off once and then just stay on his ass the whole time, you he doesn't ever attack you more than like the first time. But if he gets it back, it just it's obscenely hard to get through his cards in the first place. Yeah. Um, Elliot's first boss is uh, Puffy. <laughs> Freaking Puffy. She's just like this orbit. I mean, so a lot of these bosses, like Jackal, Puffy, Rial are like Jester looking, and Rial is like a, a big round one that you can't really damage her. You basically just kind of have to keep pushing her in a hallway. So it's it's one of those types of bosses. Yeah, she makes use of the like when you touch an object, sometimes knights will grab onto it and then it will rotate. And when you hit the spin button, it gets launched. So you have to, like, right. specifically launch her at weak spots in the wall. Yeah. You have to damage the box. You just kind of go through a bunch of these rooms, which I I was like, oh, wait, this is literally from the ninth stage in uh, All-Stars Transform. Like, they use the two first boss stages for that, plus the first of Clarissa's stages for that track. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you basically do that until you hit, like, 
you you basically you basically like drop something on her like a something closes on her that that's how you defeat her. Yeah, yeah you, you you like hit like a weak wall and that wall collapses onto her. Yeah, but it's probably one of the more interesting boss fights in the game. I in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's because it doesn't really feel like a boss fight so much as it feels like a stage where the objective is totally different. Because you're trying to push something effectively to a goal. Uh-huh. Well, and you it's, make use with, like, one of the more interesting mechanics this game has to offer as well. Yeah. Uh, I do like that all of the bosses sort of you have to fight in a different way. Uh, yeah. I think for the most part, the bosses are really good at sort of, like, being very various in the way that you're tackling them. Yeah, other than Jackal and what's his name, Tadpole Boy, uh, Gilwing. Yeah, Gilwing. Those two are just like hit the weak spot a lot. Yeah, but the rest yeah. of them have interesting ways to like conquer the boss. The the next boss, Elliot and Knight's fight, is Claws, which a very interesting cat-like boss that just like charges mice that you're supposed to destroy. Claws is probably one of the the boss fights that I understand the least. So the way I think it's best to describe it is you've got, I believe there are 24 mice. There might only be 20, there might even be less, but I think there's like 24. 12 on the top and 12 on the bottom. And the boss will be on like the opposite side of the cylinder, basically, so you can see the boss like across from you, and he'll just be sitting on top of a mouse and like dropping sparkles on it, just like a particle effect. And if you try to go after the boss... The boss will just keep bouncing to different mice, but the first mice, the first mice, the first mouse that he landed on will be charged, and if you wait too long, it'll, like, launch off and become a projectile that, like, tries to attack you, and if you get hit by any of these bosses, you lose five seconds off of the time limit. You don't have, like, a health meter or anything, but if the time gets to zero before you beat the boss, you just lose altogether. Um, but right. when, when one of the mice is, like, charged, if you grab onto it and then hit the spin button... The mouse just, like, goes away, and if you get through every single mouse, then, like, on the last one, you just hit the boss once and he loses. So you just have to, like, work through his entire arsenal, basically. It's very confusing, but it's actually one of the easier boss fights, in my opinion, just because even when you get hit, you're still working him down. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the final boss. Well, the third... Well, we didn't, I didn't talk about Riala, did we? didn't talk about Riala, did we? Uh, no, no, we didn't. I actually completely no. forgot that we missed Riala. <laughs> So Elliot's the third final boss is Riala, which is more or less just a palette swap of knights, which there's a partially good reason for that, because there's actually a two-player mode in this game, and the second player takes takes control of Riala, and it's just like you attack each other with spin attack. It's it's not... I mean, I haven't tried out, but I was just looking at the description in the manual. It doesn't sound, like, super interesting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's also only in the original Saturn version. It's not in any of the re-releases. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I was wondering, That's I was like, weird. I didn't see a two-player version, like, menu option. Yeah, it's only in the original Saturn. Um, this game got re-released for PS2, PS3, Xbox 360, and the PC, which is the version replayed, and none of those have the two-player mode, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, normally, you get the two-player mode, like, you unlock that in the Saturn version by just beating the Riala boss. Oh, interesting. So you can't see them until Until you've, like, them. met them in the story. Yeah, no spoilers. That's nice. <laughs> but... I'm into that. To attack Riala, you basically just, you know, go around in circles. You, like, make a circle, and they're supposed to run into it. Right, Steven? Yeah, that's how. Like, essentially, your goal is to make, like... The way I did it was, assuming that, like, Riala was coming from the left, I made a circle, like, counterclockwise. So I started at the top, and then made, like, one of the walls. And then as he was approaching me, I finished my circle, so that he ended up within the circle. 
and then you have to do that three times. Mm -hmm. And he's his goal is to like do that to you. I don't think if you bump into each other, I don't think you take damage. But I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, you, you do not. So he actually has the same goal as you. So you're both trying to make make circles around each other. So it kind of ends up looking like a ballet almost. It's it's interesting because I think that that just is from what you described. That's the two player mode. Yeah. Like like on a one to one like ratio, I guess. Yeah, because Riala's powers, like abilities, are exactly the same as yours. He doesn't have any projectiles. He doesn't move faster than you. I actually kind of like that fight because it forced you to use the circle mechanic, which is something that doesn't come up super often. I I also really liked that fight because uh, even though I mean even though it was a little confusing because every everything in this game is confusing and I wasn't positive what I was doing was correct. Uh, I feel like I got the vibe of like, no, 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 this is a rival fight. We are equals in terms of ability, uh, but I'm going to win because I'm cool. Yeah, and I do think it's kind of neat because if you get hit by Riala, he can only hit you by doing the circle. So like you see him attacking you that way and you think, well, I'm going to do that back, you know? Yeah. What was your favorite? Oh, wait. So did you guys get to the final boss? I did not. Uh, I got to the final boss. Uh, is is the final boss like different for each character or is there a no. boss after so, those two? The final level and the final boss are to my understanding the exact same for both Claris and Elliot. Okay. Yeah, the manual doesn't show anyone else. And I beat uh, the entire game so I should know. <laughs> I beat I beat the final boss for Claris. Yeah. So do you tell me about Wise Man? Yeah, I was going to say do you want to describe it as a So he's he's got a couple of hands. Which I think is cool. <laughs> I think he has six, actually. Uh, most most people have a couple of hands. Well, he's, got, he's got a couple, a couple of hands. <laughs> he has like six detached floating hands, I believe. I think it's cool. He kind of he kind of looks to me in my brain like the King of Cosmos from Katamari. <laughs> he kind of does. Like in energy, I agree. <laughs> he's got the same vibe, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's got the same mood. <laughs> His head is like, not a cylinder, but the level that you fight him in is so. And a part of it, so this whole game feels like a fever dream, which <laughs> is like a little bit the point. Like it is a little bit. It's 100% the point. It's not a little bit. That's why, like, like I stopped playing the game. You know when you wake up from a dream and, like, the more time that passes, the hazier your memories of that dream are until you're like, I remember bits and pieces. Like, I remember, I don't remember the way that guy looks, but I remember he made me feel like he was the king of cosmos. Yeah, I... I'm with you, I think. <laughs> anyway, so he's on one side of the map, you're on the other side of the map, and he just throws shit at you, and you gotta weave around that and get to it. And both you and your friend, who are both kids, but you're also both knights, because that's what knights is. Yeah, you both trend like, you are already knights, and then another knights appears before that fight starts. Yeah. And so, the two knights are basically working together. The second night, like, sort of follows you around exactly doing what you did a little bit ago. And then you sort of both have to work together to, like, like break through the defense barrier of that guy. And there are, uh, I want to say, like, five phases, I think. Uh, and he throws different obstacles at you. You have to hit him four times, so I think there's only four phases. It's kind of reminiscent to me of, uh, and I know this came later, but it, it kind of makes me feel like the Sonic Adventure 2 final boss fight. Yeah, it reminds me of that a lot too, actually. Where, like, you are moving towards uh, an enemy, and you have to just... You basically just have to get to it, and the obstacles in your path are, like, increasing in complexity over the course of multiple iterations of that. That's actually also the final boss of Sonic Adventure as well. 
um, but not in not in 3D space like and Sonic Adventure 2 is. Sonic 3, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Sonic Team likes their get to the guy fights. I I kind of do too, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I mean, think I really like this fight. That was the only fight in the entire game where I knew what to do. Like right away. Yeah, I was like, oh, you get to the guy, you hit him, and then he he goes away from you, and then he throws more shit at you that you gotta dodge, and then you hit him again, and that's the cycle. I understand perfectly. We got it. Whereas like the the fight where you gotta like hit the creature's belly and its head falls off, but its tail stays there and it grows a new head back. You gotta hit it like eight times and I had genuinely no idea if I was making progress or if I was doing something wrong. Yeah, like by the sixth or seventh time you can tell the tail's getting smaller, but up until then you're just like, what's going on? Like there's no flashing, there's no red, there's no sound cue, there's no like meter at the bottom with the boss's health, like there's nothing telling you you're doing it right. Yeah, there's no feedback whatsoever. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's very clear, like there's only there are only three objects in the universe right now. There's yeah. you, there's him, and then there's the stuff he's throwing at you. And I have a feeling I should not be going towards the third thing. Yeah, and like when you hit him, he becomes like invisible, or not invisible, but like transparent and intangible. Yeah. And then you fully transition the fight, like he moves to the opposite side of you, and then the background changes, and he's throwing completely different projectiles. It's, it's, I think, genuinely the only time in the game where I understand what's happening. And it's, <laughs> and it's weird, because I don't know why he's here or what his motives are at all. Like, yeah. like narratively, I don't know what's happening, but that was never true. There is a cutscene at the beginning of the game, but I can't for the life of me even remember what happened in it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, this whole game feels like a fever dream. Not a regular dream. And it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, supposed to be nightmarish, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it I think that mood-wise, they nailed what they were going for. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll agree with that, but I don't know that it's necessarily a mood that I engage with fully positively. They made me confused and like worried about what like if my actions actually mattered during the game, and that's like exactly how I feel during dreams. <laughs> oh man. So, which which boss fight do you think was your guys' favorite? Uh, hmm. I think I think for me it's uh, it's between three, right? Which is the final boss, just because I knew what I was doing, or the the boss where you gotta like throw her into a in like through the wall, right? Yeah. Just because that had the most interesting like way to interact, uh, or the rival fight because I was into it conceptually. Yeah, that's kind of where my favorites were. I mean, minus Wise Man, just because I didn't make it to him, but I think. I just think Riala looks interesting, and it's kind of nice having that proto-shadow fight. Yeah. I definitely felt like, oh, it's the whole bit where we have the exact same powers, but I'm still not exactly sure the best way to damage you initially. <laughs> and also, you're red and black. <laughs> I do I do have a complaint about the boss system, which I know is very tied to the complaint of I have no idea what the hell is happening at all times. But I think... Uh, I like all of the boss fights once I understand them. At, at least I like many of the boss fights once I understand them. Yeah, I was going to say um, Jackass and Tadpole are not my favorites. But the fact that when you fight them, you have to both figure out how to beat them and beat them uh, like under a time limit. Like just the fact, I think the, the bosses are the part where the game's poor conveyance is like the biggest hindrance to your like ability to play it. 
Yeah, but it's also, like, the part that makes it feel the most designed. Because, like, it doesn't feel like I'm... It wasn't... I, I don't know. How do I put this? I think it was not intended by the developers for me to be as confused during the primary <laughs> gameplay segments yeah. as I was. But for the bosses, it was very clear to me that they wanted to, like, obfuscate some things to make it, like, a puzzle. Yeah. And that, I think they succeeded at, for better or worse. Okay. I can respect that. I would say that I think Puffy was my favorite boss fight. That's the lady where you have to, like, push her into yeah. the wall. Really not a fan of the, of the aesthetic, but I was a fan <laughs> of the gameplay. Yeah, to be clear, she's a lady kind of dressed up as a rabbit, except she's just a ball with giant boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's She's real peculiar. I think visually my favorite boss is Jackal. Yeah. I like his... He kind of looks like Knights and Riala, but he, I like his big cape and his, like, detached, like, floating gloves and shoes and stuff. I think he looks neat. Yeah. He... I mean, he feels like he fits in with yes. the, the Knights and Riala sort of, like, uh, like, category of entities, I guess. Yeah, if there was, like, jesters. a... <laughs> well, like, floating dream androja jesters. Yeah. And dresters And jesters... Moving on. Moving on. What do you think that the kid that transforms into Jackass would look like? Uh, that's probably like okay. a Jackass. <laughs> okay. Uh. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> uh, do we want to? Do we want to talk about the eggs? I at least a little bit, yeah. So, like, what's up with the eggs, huh? We are living in a proto-chow society. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense because it's in the main stage and, like, you literally don't need to do anything if to, you, like, beat the game. If you interact with these creatures at all, it is only a detriment to your score. Yeah, like, it can only hurt you doing anything with these. Uh, so, the way that it works, to my understanding, is that, first and foremost, there are these things called Nitopians or Peans or Mepians or something. There's, there's a whole bunch of words. But there are these little dudes that have cone heads. They're like bald dudes with halos, and they look like little fairy imp type dudes. And they are scattered about the level. They're not, like, they're not too populous. There's, like, only a few of them, like, on each track. But if you dive into enemies, like you do the spin attack, you can transform the enemies into orbs. And if you happen to knock those orbs into these guys, they will, like, lay eggs, I think. Alternatively... It might be that you have to knock orbs into eggs that they've already lain. But either way, you somehow combine the orb with either the guy or the egg they lay. And then if you move knights over to the egg, he will like... Or sorry, they will place their hand on the egg. And then if you hit the spin button, the egg will crack open and a little dude will come out. But one of their body parts will be replaced with a part from the animal that you tossed into them. Much like the Chow would later. This is like the most Chow aspect of them. Yeah. Uh, it's like a DNA system where you can like add parts to like generations of, of entities. But the thing is, you don't have any influence over them besides that. And they don't feel like particularly connected to you in any capacity. You don't have the free time to really interact with them a lot and get attached to them. So yeah. it's mostly just like doing weird DNA experiments on like an otherwise <laughs> time. yeah like on not even your free time it's during your crunch time <laughs> it's it's like a wild system but apparently they can modify how the music sounds like if you make them angry the music will change 
And if yeah. you make them happy, it'll change too. Like, they, they have moods similar to Chow, and they can do random stuff and sing. You There's also, like, and you could breed them with the enemies or something like that. Or, no, yeah. I, maybe it's like you breed, like, one that's been changed by an enemy versus another one, and rarely it could produce, like, this king Nitopian that can build a castle in the background. Yeah, there's, like, way more going on than you would think. <laughs> And it's just it doesn't it doesn't have like the necessary space like Chow does to like really make a difference. Yeah, it feels so weird. It feels like I want to explore the systems, but my ability to interact with them is so limited. Because even like if I want to give these creatures like animal orbs, I I gotta make sure they're lined up into the like plane of movement I have access to at that exact moment. Yeah, and the enemies don't respawn. I don't think. They do not. So you get one shot at, like, putting a ram on a dude, and then if you don't get the part you wanted, restart the level, I guess? Yeah. And there's no, there's literally no reward for doing this. Like, the, I, I was trying to read up on this. Like, I think Charlie and I both did a lot of reading up on this. As far as I know, the only, like, positive thing that the peons can do for you is you can actually occasionally get, like items if you do a spin in a specific place and like collect the right items sometimes like a little panel will appear and it'll have one of three things on it one of them is like a sonic head and that fills your boost meter automatically one of them is like a starburst and i forget what that one does i think it might like you know i'm not even gonna pretend i have no idea what it does and then (laughs) there is a third one that has a picture of a pn on it and when you pick it up you'll have, like, one of those same little guys, like, they look exactly the same, but they'll be floating around you, and they'll pick up items for you, like the the chips, the star chips, and the color chips. So, like, in that way, they interact with you, but, like, they don't feel like pets the way that Chow do, they don't feel like you have any particular influence over them the way that Chow do, and they do not feel like they have any personality the way Chow do. Yeah. So, like... It feels like they're just kind of there. Like, there's an entire system that you're just you can interact with but are really discouraged from yeah you have to go like so far out of your way and there's literally a time limit like stopping you from being able to work with it but it's interesting like when i read about it i was very interested yeah it's it i'd like to see more of it but that's why we have sonic adventure yeah and apparently journey of dreams the wii game explores the system a little more so i'm curious as to like how that's going to differ from the sonic adventure games which to me is hilarious because they 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 brought that back for that series, but they didn't bring it back for Sonic. Yeah, no, Sonic doesn't get to have trial, but Knights can. <laughs> we just get a half-assed <laughs> equip system in Sonic Chronicles, and that's yeah, it. It's okay though because we're also not getting any more Knights games. So, Sad. well, except that one that Yuji Naka is working on, right? Well, yeah, yeah Ball on Wonderland or something like that. Yeah, we'll talk about that probably sometime. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to find, like, a lot of stuff to pad out the Christmas Nights episode, so. <laughs> well, it's not even out yet, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I, we could talk I, about I, it, I guess. Yeah, we can talk about, like, we can do a news on it, a little update. Anyway. Update. The, update. <laughs> the last segment of this episode, we've got, like, a few minutes left, and Charlie wanted to tell us about the lore, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to be looking at the instruction booklet for this one, so, you know, bear with me. I'm just kind of... So... We start with, like, kids in this game, right? Yeah, Elliot just, and like, Clarice. Yeah, and they, they both, like, they both had a bad day. <laughs> Elliot was playing basketball 
but they basically embarrass him, slam dunk, all that, and so he's just sad and walks home alone without his friends. Yeah, because he got literally Claris, dunked on. Claris was auditioning for, like, I guess a play. Isn't it? Because there's a director. Like, that. you see the director, like, her ending scene or something like that. I think yeah. the bit is that she's not, like, auditioning yet, but she wants to audition, and so she dreams about auditioning. Yeah, she doesn't have, like, the courage to audition yet is, I think, the bit. Right. I guess I maybe think. these are part of the dreams themselves. Well, cause, so, so, cause once you like, once you beat her, her mode, her story, I guess, you unlock a cutscene that is her doing the audition and like finding the confidence to do it, and then she sings the main motif of the game. Yeah, and she gets the part yeah. as well. It's yeah. implied. Because <laughs> this game is like in preparation for a festival, right? Like the tw- like the Twin Seeds City Growth Festival. Is, is that the case? Because I don't remember reading that. So that's the cutscenes at the end that are leading me to that conclusion. You get okay. cutscenes at the end of both Clarice and Elliot's stories, and then I believe whichever one you beat second, there's a third final cutscene that features them both during a parade where Clarice is, like, singing, and Elliot is, like, getting home from his basketball game, and he's like, oh, shit, there's a parade going on. And then they, like see each other and they lock eyes and then like the world around them like melts away or something and they're back in the dream world just like being friends or romantic interests it's really difficult for me to tell i have no idea genuinely because like their relationship in the game like during gameplay seems non-existent yeah because they they only interact with each other uh during the final stage where like they they come together to i want to say save knights they're like doing yeah. something positive. It, yeah, it would seem. Do you want me to like just read like the entire like plot synopsis for? <laughs> I mean, yeah, minus uh, their like the character backstories. Hit me up. Like, let's see if this lines up with my understanding based on the cutscenes I watched at the end. Yeah. All right. That night, Elliot and Claris return home, thinking themselves failures, not realizing that the real challenge is about to begin. In the world of Nightopia, where our dreams are played out, an evil being is gaining tremendous power. He is wise man the wicked, and through his creations, the Nightmarin, he captures precious dream energy from humans. If he is not stopped, he will rise from the subconscious and enter our world. No power on earth will be able to stop him. So he's a dream Digimon. Oh god, you're right. He is a dream <laughs> Digimon. <laughs> he does kind of look like a Digimon, also. Like, not a, not a particular one. As wise men's Nightmarin start fulfilling his horrible plan, a Nightopian escapes from the dream world and begs the sleeping Elliot and Claris to save the world from evil be- from the evil being. Being. Just a few moments ago, they felt like total failures. But now that the world needs their help, Elliot and Claris feel, for the first time in their lives, a courage growing deep within them. They accept the Nightopian's desperate request. The creature explains to them they need to recover four types of dream energy from the wise man's I- I- idea capture. A group of large machine-like beings. The four energies are white, representing purity, green, wisdom, yellow, hope, and blue, intelligence. And those are like the orbs you get from those machines for the four mare stages. Okay, but you start the stage with those orbs in your possession, though, right? And then the monsters take them from you and put them in the things. Well, now, hold on a second. Okay. (laughs) It gets a little bit more interesting, or at least my perception of it is. (laughs) Wise men will attempt to steal Elliot and Claris' dream energy and try to confuse them by placing them in the strange dream worlds. These worlds are developed from the depths of their minds. The fifth and rarest of the dream energies, bravery, red in color, is the only type of energy wise men and his henchmen cannot steal. 
it is said that the only one not yet under Wiseman power, Wiseman's power is Knight, who appears as an aerial acrobat and is attracted to red dream energy. The Knightopian believe that Ellie and Claris possess the rare energy and thus Knights will come to their aid. So they do collect them, but the, but and maybe they have them initially, but the minions are able to steal them. Yeah. Which is why yeah. that red one doesn't go away after they attack you. Okay. Yeah, the red one is like your innate power that they can't take from you. And the red one is yeah. also what attracts knights. I actually really like that because it is another aspect of the game that's super fucking confusing that you see that there are five <laughs> and you only have to collect four. But the like lore explanation of that, that's like you still have like a little power in you is kind of neat. It's like, it would be like if uh, you were playing like a Sonic game where you had to collect seven Chaos Emeralds, but if you play as Shadow, you already have one at the beginning. Yeah. Because like one of them always ends up in Shadow's hand <laughs> when they disperse. <laughs> Somehow, it is always true. It's like in a Super Smash Bros. after uh, Sonic uses his his final smash and they disperse. <laughs> yeah. You just see Shadow jump in the background and catch one. Yeah, he does like a rebound <laughs> catch. <laughs> oh, man. See, I, I think I'm into this lore, but the thing about it is that I got about 5% of it from the game itself. Yeah, and it's the part that matters to you the least because it was the end. Yeah. And so here here's kind of the thing that gets me. Because I like, like earlier, I was like, man, I should just be like a real game and read the manual because that was kind of a thing that people did. And this, you know, this gate, this, the Saturn came out at a time where there still wasn't a whole lot of lore development for like, like maybe for RPGs, they would give you enough explanation, but yeah. not every game did that. So it's, it's kind of escaping that like norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also definitely, like as a kid, would read the manual before I played the game. Like I would get excited about like, you know, seeing what the game had to offer, and I would check out the manual as a sort of preview. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, obviously when this game came out, I was, like, undeveloped <laughs> at, at that point. <laughs> so, like, it makes sense that at this time you would be more likely to read the manual. Yeah. Um, one, well, one more paragraph uh, first. Uh, the Nightopian warns that sooner or later, Wiseman will send his most powerful of his Nightmaren, his henchmen, after Claire's and Elliot. The two children will need to help knights every step of the way to thwart Wiseman's plans if they are to restore peace to nightopia yeah and those like powerful nightmares are the bosses yeah and it's sort of implied that knights is one of them but like kind of a failed or a, a defect well i think that like at the very least my understanding from hopping in the wiki real quick was that knights and riala were both made to be like the right hand of of a wise man and yeah, and that seems to be correct when looking at, like, uh, I just looked at a screenshot from the Archie comics. Yeah. And, like, Knights was just a renegade. Like, Knights ran away when, I don't know, yeah. he saw what was going on. Knights is a force that is opposed to its own creation. Yeah. Knights is wild. Yeah. So what's what I think is interesting about this lore is, like, I think the game does pretty well at conveying it for not having any dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can really express all of this without some text on the screen, which the game refuses to have under any circumstances. You get you get some text. You get a picture that says, like, the confusion or the growth <laughs> at the beginning of each level. That's true, yeah. When I saw the growth, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is a stage where Knights battles cancer. <laughs> oh, no. The star sign. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut Spring up. Valley. Spring Valley. 
the idea. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Soft Museum. Dude, the Reckoning. Soft Museum is the best stage. And it's such a You just have to ignore the second uh track. It I I just think JoJo when I see Soft Museum. Because here's the th- <laughs> here's the thing about Soft Museum. Uh when you get near the ground, it like starts to bend down a little bit, like it's spongy. Yeah, like the polygons like stretch and like morph in a really neat way and i i I just think that's really neat especially for like like a very early 3d game to do something like that is super cool to get into the titular soft museum you also like push through these like flappy like walls in a really neat way (laughs) like it's probably the most dreamlike area yeah yeah so overall like what do you guys think thumbs up thumbs down nights into dreams Oh, God. (laughs) It's a really tough question, to be honest. It really is, because it's nothing special, but, like... Because Knights is, like, an IP that is, like, deep in the subconscious, no pun intended, of, like, the games that I grew up playing. Like, all all the Sonic games had nods to it. I kind of assumed it was maybe, like, a bigger deal than it was. Right. Like, my, my... For some reason, my initial impression was that Knights was, like the link of of Sega. Like like yeah. Sega loves Knights and no one else does. It's more like Sonic Team loves Knights and no one yeah. else does. I think that's fair. Cuz like Knights isn't in Monkey Ball anywhere. Like Knights I don't think ever shows that's up true. in Virtua Fighter. <laughs> no, but but Knights is in uh both the All-Stars games and in Sega I want Superstars. to remind you though that those games are not called Art Sega All-Stars Racing. It's Sonic that's, and that's Sega All Stars yeah. Racing. Well, except for Sega Superstars Tennis. Yeah, but is Knights in that? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, they're playable. I don't remember. I think I think Riala might be too, but I don't remember. Honestly, I don't even remember if um if there was a Knights game in the uh, iToy game. I think it's very strange for there to be more references to Knights in other games than there is actual core Knights content. How do you think I feel as an F-Zero fan? <laughs> yeah. At least at least there's more than one F-Zero game before it devolved. Mm, not really? I can't I can't remember if X came out before 64, Smash 64. But even if it did, that means there were two games before shit really hit the fan. <laughs> that's that's fair, yeah. Because Melee was a launch title and GX came out way later. And I guess we got uh, Journey of Dreams uh, in 2000, I want to say somewhere like between four. 7 and 9. Oh, I thought it was earlier than that. It's a no, Wii game, the, isn't it? the Wii came out in 2006. The Wii came out in 2006? I believe that is correct. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was 2006, but I got in like 2007. Journey of Dreams is a 2007 yeah. release. Yeah. So, like, they did eventually make a second game. Well, it's a third game. Oh, there there's is a also, Knights one. There's Knights, the Christmas. Yeah, Christmas play Sega Knights Superstars again. does exist, you're right. And then there's also the remake, because the remake came out on the PS2, like I said. So like. Oh, they, yeah, that's true. Okay. They, also, I think that only came out in Japan, the remake. That makes sense. Because that's the only listing I could find on eBay. Isaiah, what were you saying? Uh, I don't remember at all. Okay, well, lovely. There's there's more like knights getting getting like attention in the world in the form of re-releases and a, a sequel. Yeah. And like 
I don't know. I think that the bit here is that, like, I I'm gonna give it a thumbs down, by the way, the game as a whole. Oh, yeah. I found myself mm -hmm. enjoying it more the longer I played it, but, like, if I were not playing it for the podcast, I would have had no impulse to play more. And I knew that I had to unlock Christmas Nights in this game, because uh, for the re-release, you can get Christmas Nights, but you have to do that by beating the entire game. So you have to get at least a C on every level, and then you have to beat the last level with both characters. So, Which means beating the last level twice. Yeah. So At least it's not all A ranks. That's actually a different unlock that we can talk about more. I think for like Christmas Nights, one of the things we'll do is just talk about all the unlockable fun secret shit that's available okay. in this game. But like... If I hadn't known that those things were there, and, like, I didn't need to get that for the podcast, because I sure as shit am not buying a Sega Saturn and, like, downloading Christmas Nights, if that's even a thing I can do. <laughs> I think you can just buy the demo disc, because there's, there's a decent amount of listings, or at least... Yeah. What but... if you wanted to play Christmas Nights, but God said... Not for resale. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, if I hadn't had all of those, like, factors, I would definitely not have played this game for that long. As a matter of fact, I tried to play Knights at one point earlier on in my life, and I got through the first level, and after I, like, fought Puffy and lost, I was like, I'm never playing this again. I actually had the exact same experience, <laughs> where I was like, I'm gonna see what the, the fuss is all about, and then I played the game and didn't really like it and i just once i stopped playing it it like immediately ejected itself from my mind like a dream like forever yeah like a dream it's actually incredible how comparable this game is to a dream but not in a positive way i mean not in an innately negative way either <laughs> yeah it's it's certainly an experience but i like it's so weird how it's not particularly memorable for for exactly the opposite of reasons why everything else is not memorable. Yeah, it's like how bananas it is, like, keeps you from wanting to remember it. Yeah. But I will say that, much like some dreams that I've had, one, like, one clear image stays locked in my mind for it, and in this case, it's knights just, like, like, leaning to the side and, like, spinning around and just, like, whipping through the air. Yeah. Because, like, knights' design is super, super cool, and the way they move around in this game is actually super neat visually. Oh yeah, I agree with that completely, and that's what—that's why I feel like playing knights, like just just controlling the character knights, is fun, but like the way you play the game is not fun. No. So I would say overall, thumbs up for the character of knights, thumbs down for knights into dreams. It it makes me very very curious about knights' journey of dreams. Yeah, same here. Because, I'm really excited to play that. Because I think I think it'll be more fun, but also like I'm pretty sure it was not a successful game. So we'll see. I was reading some like guides on Steam to try and figure out exactly how many unlockable things are available in this release. And I saw people saying that like they were disappointed in Journey into Dreams. But these people, these same people, said they liked Nights into Dreams. So I'm wondering if that, like, indictment is actually going to mean, like, we like Journey of Dreams better. Yeah. Because, uh, so well, now I'm scared and excited. Uh, so I'm going to give it a thumbs down as well, uh, in case I didn't say that already. All right. Uh, now it's time, Charlie. I So I kind of have the same sentiments as you, but I want to give it a thumbs up because I don't want to give the impression that it's a terrible game. It's It's really not terrible. It's just so, like... It's like, so uh, surreal as to be yeah. very difficult to absorb. 
I definitely feel more compelled to get play more of it if only just to like you know unlock Christmas nights. But like I'm, I, I for all you know I could probably replay it as much as I replay you know Sonic the Sonic Adventure games. Yeah. Like I literally before we recorded I played Sonic Adventure just to like play this the Knights Pinball to get a feel for it, and then I did the Knights Course at Sonic Transformed, and I just don't want to touch Sonic Pinball Party again. <laughs> You want to, like, experience the legacy of Knights a little bit? I want to experience Knights by not playing Knights. I mean, honestly, I feel like you're getting more of what Knights truly is by just, like, looking at it in the background than by playing it. Because at this point, like, that <laughs> legacy is more important to the character than anything this first game offered. I in, in a way, it's almost fitting that a character that is sort of a physical manifestation of the unconscious is constantly in the background of other things and never gets actual focus. Yeah, and, like, they're, like, the only memorable part of the game. They're, like, floating around in, like, the back of your mind and in the back of, like, <laughs> video games. <laughs> yeah. They they have a very good design. Yes. Very much so agreed. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, what, uh, what's, this is the part of the show <laughs> where we plug, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I keep forgetting... So you can tweet at us using the Twitter handle at NoSpinDashZone. We'd love to hear what you think about Knights. You can also send us your emails to the uh, email address NoSpinDashZone at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Isaiah Games. That's I-S-I-A-H Games. You can follow me at Charlie is Horse, like the animal. <laughs> and I tweet about things... I should tweet more stuff from Super Mario Sunshine because I'm playing that a lot lately. Yeah, you're playing like the, the re-release, right? Yeah, because it's it's so much easier to tweet about it when I have nice screenshots coming straight straight from my Switch instead of just like a weird TV capture. I I might start tweeting some more, and if I tweet more than five things between this episode <laughs> and our last night's episode, I'll actually announce my Twitter handle. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible to find anyway. Like, it's associated with everything with the podcast, but... Twitter reveal yeah. at 300,000 followers. <laughs> I think 300 followers would still be a bit much to ask. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Next week... Next week. Next recording session. Next, uh, like... Four next episode of the No Spin Dash Zone. 14 days from now, we'll continue this miniseries with Christmas Nights which was originally a demo available for free to show off what the Saturn was capable of, as well as the first couple levels of Knights. And we'll be talking about that, as well as, like, sort of a laundry list of other Knights-related things, because obviously we've already talked about this gameplay, so that episode is going to be a little stunted otherwise. Yeah. And then for the third and final episode of this little mini-series, we're going to be talking about Journey of Dreams, so get pumped for that. And then it's back to Sonic. That's true. Yeah. In, Lost World. In the meantime, world. Uh, good, good night. Good night. Good night. S night. Sweet, sweet dreams. <laughs> night over. All right. I'm waking up. Breaking out. This is what it's like to be. <laughs> I had a dream last night that I think was probably informed by this game a little bit. Okay, go ahead. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with it. It's not fully relevant. So I had a, I had a dream last night. Uh, that I was in this like sort of abstract knights-esque environment that I can't really remember the details of except that it was inside. Uh, and I was reading a children's book that I read as a kid that was full of like what looked like surrealist 
classical paintings. And it was like a book Salvador that, Dali style. Like it, like a mix of Salvador Dali style and like something that's much older, like like Renaissance era, I guess. Okay, interesting. Um, Go on. Which is which are two two styles that didn't exist concurrently, so it was like a mesh. Yeah. Uh, and this was a this was a book that, for some reason, gave me a lot of anxiety as a kid. So in the dream, I was re- like rereading this book, which was mostly images, and I was like looking at the images and sort of coming to terms with my like past, like fears about this book, and being like, oh well, this is I can see why this would stress me out, but also like because it was like like unsettling surrealism right yeah um and you know when you're a kid sometimes random shit just makes you stressed out especially in a dream because in a dream like sometimes things that wouldn't normally bother you like are bothersome just vibe wise oh yeah absolutely uh and so i I was just getting through the book and being like all right so this this doesn't really like it bothers me a little bit because i'm in a dream right now but aside from that like i can totally handle this and I woke up like feeling good about myself, like I had overcome like a past <laughs> trauma. But here's yeah. the thing: that book doesn't exist. Oh yeah, that was that entire the whole backstory was a fictional component to this dream. Yeah, like you had in your dream, there was already like the placed memory that you had read that book at any point yeah. ever. My dream has lore. Dude, I have so many dreams that have tiny bits of lore. (laughs) (laughs) There are ones where, like, I'll, like, look something up, like, something very specific, like a pair of words on my phone in a dream. Yeah. And, like, I'll find something amazing, and I'll be like, what is going on here? And then I'll try and look it up when I wake up, and it just doesn't exist. I did. I tried to Google, like, a book that was like the thing I dreamed about. I was like, I'm grasping at straws here. There's no such thing. It's like... How did I have such a clear idea of what this thing was? Like, I've had dreams where I found, like, a website that was just, like, a pair of words. And it was just, like, a bonkers website that had, like, access to so many things. And I looked it yeah. up and I was like, of course this pair of words doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, that was my experience last night. And I feel like playing Nights is identical to that experience. The only difference is that in my dream I went through, like, a whole character arc. Yeah. Which, which is very funny to me in retrospect. Also, when you look up Nights into Dreams, you don't find nothing. You find something, and maybe that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. Yeah. Good night. S- see you next time. Good night.